Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Mark and Sarah talk, Mark and Sarah talk, Mark and Sarah talk about songs. Talk about songs. Those extremely melodramatic tones come from Andrew Byrne. I'm Sarah D. Bunting, and I am here, as always, with my co-host, Mark Blankenship. Hello, Mark. Talking about songs. Um, Today, we are talking about one of the uh, pop music state birds of New Jersey, Bon Jovi, in what is probably their most melodramatic song. Um, in a genre of melodrama that I like to call being a rich rock star is so hard. Behold my black and white rendering of being sweaty backstage. <laughs> oh, which is like a balance to the a number of listeners yeah. requested a number of listeners requested this song, but I forget exactly how we selected or they requested Bon Jovi, but I forget how we selected this particular song so i will uh hand it over to my uh tennessee pod husband mark to give us the backstory on why we're talking about this particular bon jovi track today well thanks jersey pod wife uh so (laughs) we recently ran a poll for our patrons uh which you can of course become a patron yourself at uh patreon.com slash mastus uh, where you can vote in polls just like this one that is, as you'll see, directly influencing our content today. But anyway, we ran a poll for the patrons and we said, here is a list of artists that we have never discussed on the podcast, but that we've gotten multiple requests to discuss. Which one of these right. neglected okay. artists do you want us to talk about? <laughs> and we listed one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. There were 10 artists that we've received more than one request to discuss. And of all 10 of them, the one that came through with the most votes, although it was a squeaker, was Bon Jovi. And uh, the violent films were a very close second, I will just say, um, with Cindy Lauper in a respectable third. So anyway, uh, Bon Jovi came out on top. And the reason that I uh, ended up suggesting that we do one a dead or alive. No, actually, as I recall correctly, Sarah, it was on IM that you said, well, it's got to be one a dead or alive, right? And then I... Because I feel like we have referred to it many times in passing as part of this genre, which is the um, Prisoner of Fame yes. lament. Well, and then also I was reminded then that that would be the perfect choice because our listeners, Matt and Mariah, who also brought to the table, you might recall, the Journey episode, uh, they had requested yes. this song specifically, and uh, it was... It was the the line that they requested, the line that they mentioned in their request um, is actually in the clip that I've pulled. Uh, so I think without further ado, let's just listen to the clip and then dive into the hairy chested waters of this experience. Ooh, hubba. Cowboy on a steel horse 
Um, before we really dive into this, I do want to say, I you're so correct that this is such a genre. The fame is hard, and inevitably, the people who record these songs will also then also record another song in a genre that we've discussed a lot, which is the I'm just a normal working person genre. So like sometimes on the same album, they'll have the, I can't believe how hard it is to be famous. And then the, I just got my paycheck. We can finally have a fun weekend. Like bitch, choose one. (laughs) Like, okay, Sampora. Uh, Like, let's take a limo to the ice cream parlor to spend my pittance of a pit. Yeah, exactly. Like the cognitive dissonance is real. So, Sarah, God, where do we even start with Bon Jovi? Um, Let's start here. Well, why don't I, why don't I begin? Yes, as the New Jerseyite Um, in the room. Let's just, yeah, we mentioned in a recent single, I believe that, and we've talked about this sort of in passing and when we've addressed Bruce Springsteen in both a past Christmas episode and a past folk ballads episode. And Songs About America episode, I remember too. Yeah, that Springsteen... It's so funny that it's like these two acts and then Sinatra that are um, intertwined with New Jersey's image. Um, Even though, bit of trivia, Ice-T lived briefly as a youth in my hometown, which is like the whitest place on earth. Um, But Springsteen is like, he is sort of like air. Um, I'm glad he exists. I have songs of his that I listen to over and over again that I love I have other songs I can't stand but I don't connect with him on the level that you know we got to get out of this place if it's the last thing we ever do kind of level that other Jerseyans seem to or people really from around the world seem to um he's just another like artist who is on Mount Rushmore which is, you know, that's fine. But I I also didn't really connect to Bon Jovi because I wasn't really a, like, post-metal hair rock person. Uh, and this particular ballad, this, you know, lament of the prisoner of rock fame, is it's almost sympathetic, though, because John Bon Jovi himself is and has always been such a strange case like he's gorgeous still like he still has the cheekbones he's still really foxy i still would last year in december of 2017 i was in a coffee shop on the lower east side of manhattan and who happened to be there but john bon jovi i don't know who he was with but let me tell you i still would as well recent Physical sighting confirms hotness unabated. Yeah. And it's, he doesn't look, he he didn't get like creepy. Like some of these guys, they got like a suburban soccer mom haircut that I guess is supposed to work for the aging rocker. He managed to like not really do that. He kind of like Jack Wagner slid into like cragginess. But I believe he is still married to... Mrs. Bongiove, Dorothea Bongiove, who he was married to like this whole time. Right? I that seems right. I feel like they always come up in those articles that about Hollywood romance or like celebrity romance that stand at the test of time. Which and who knows what is actually going on behind the, you know, gates in Rumson, New Jersey or wherever it is they live. Um 
don't at me. But there was something about that that it was like everyone else on the stage is like capering around. They're probably doing all sorts of drugs. But like Bon Jovi was like the slightly less. Yes. Uh, John like, John Bon Jovi to... secretly married his high school sweetheart in 1989. And they are still yeah. together to this day with four children. Yeah. Which I'm sure their manager was like, oh, no, 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 no. Because you're like the the really hot one. But he was also sort of wholesome. And they had this like, there was Motley Crue who like those do, if you looked at them too long without blinking, you were going to get gonorrhea. These dudes were like much more wholesome. They were from New Jersey. They sort of seemed like they had maybe been dropped on their heads a little bit sometimes. <laughs> but they could almost sell because John Bon Jovi himself was like, he had all the trappings of, he had like the, you know, big hair and the perm and the skin tight pants, but he seemed almost like wholesome and yes. like a Corey from the Simpsons. So you almost buy it and you're not rolling your eyes as much as you would if like poison is doing it and you're like, yeah, boohoo. Like you literally hoovered an entire convertible full of cocaine up your nostrils before writing this song. I, you know, I don't feel sorry for you. The other thing about this song is that it is completely of its time. And I think it's really good because of that. Uh, I, I mean, it's like, it's of its time, but it's not so dated. And because of everything I was just saying about the, um, strangely like pg-13 ness of bon jovi compared to their peers yes at that time i think that it is charming that it is very jersey and late 80s and um and not i mean maybe it's dated but it it works and the fact is this is a really good vocal from john and richie sambora those, this the, bridge is great. The uh, the uh, backing vocals on the chorus in the later part of the song are so great. The wanted, those wanted. parts, yeah, so much fun to sing along to. It's really good. And this is, I think, the nay plus ultra of this genre in terms of not only the video sort of selling the story like the black and white and all the slow-mo of them like collapsing backstage and like harnesses not working during the tour and all the stuff but of the um of songs where it's almost impossible to separate the video from the song because what do you think of like when someone mentions this song what do you think of i've seen a million faces and i've rocked them all yes Please feel sorry for me, giant rock star. I am wearing a metallic silver duster, a headband that appears to be made out of a slap bracelet, and in the background, faintly, you can hear the jingling of money pouring into my bank account. <laughs> it is just the most thingness of the thing. He's going to go home soldier. at the end of He's He's exhausted and sweaty. But then he's going to do a Scrooge McDuck dive into his giant vat of cold coins at the end of the day. Yes. So And into his pool that is shaped like a funnel cake from the Wildwood, New Jersey boardwalk. Oh, By the way, uh, let's also not forget that John Bunch... Okay, let, I actually have to make a larger point, and I'm going to use 
the fact that John Bon Jovi was married in something called the Graceland Wedding Chapel in New Ooh. Jersey. Okay. This to me it's speaking directly to us. This illustrates the larger point that I feel has is true of Bon Jovi, which is they get a lot of shit for being corny. And mm-hmm. there is no doubt that the line, I've seen a million faces and I've rocked them all, is corny as hell. But unlike... It's also true, though. But I also think <laughs> it's true, quite frankly, even if it was a bit <laughs> bold for them to put that on their breakthrough album. I don't think they'd quite seen a million faces at the time that Slippery When Wet came out, but certainly by now. But I feel like they are a band... You know, Stone Temple Pilots is a band that, for instance, I know we've talked about this before, that kind of seems like maybe their their persona is a little manufactured. Uh-huh. But I feel like that John Bon Jovi and Bon Jovi the band, their, corn, their corniness is authentic to them. They're maybe just like you just said. They're like accessible, dorky. They're just like dorks. And there are just yeah. there are just people in the world who can sing and play music who are also not very cool. And I just think that John Bon Jovi and Bon Jovi are talented. They make great, interesting, fun songs, and they're not very cool. I mean, for Christ's yeah. sake, in the song, I believe it's the song It's My Life, they talk about the characters from Living on a Prayer. Like they 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 bring them up again, like it's the sequel. Like these are the kind of people who invent song who invent characters for one song. And then 15 years later, reference them again in another single. And that's just how they are. And they're just, just, and I just think that in a way, because they've been the same for their entire careers, they sort of are above critical displeasure. Like, if you don't like John Bon Jovi or Bon Jovi, it's okay, but this is just what they are. And I do have in my life room for dorky dad rock from time to time. Well, and. That's, I think that the point that you just made, which is excellent, that it, you know, it might not be that like cool or groundbreaking, but it's sincere and they worked hard on it and it is authentic in that way that we frequently talk about. But that goes right into a big part of the native uh, New Jerseyans struggle uh, for self-definition. <laughs> and here's what, I mean, there's a lot of different jerseys. There's like, down, there's where I'm from, there's down ashore, there's like where John Bon Jovi is from, which is like more of a Philadelphia influence. Also where half my family is from. But there's this, let me use the Real Housewives of New Jersey as an example. Please do. You see them in, <laughs> as I so frequently do. Um, manicurically speaking. So they'll be like in a talking head talking about whatever and like everything about them is artifice. Like actual drag performers do not have this many pounds of hair extensions or this much makeup or this heavy of like chest (laughs) situation. Like nobody that you're looking at came off the factory line like this is what I'm saying. It's extremely artificial. It's extremely high maintenance but it's also still beautiful. Like the fact that it is not natural or frequently occurring um, 
it's still beautiful. Like I, I love to look at the Real Housewives of New Jersey because that is completely alien to where I grew up in New Jersey. It's completely alien to my having enough time to do that kind of maintenance, like just on my brows. Like it's <laughs> bonkers, and their boobs. Like I've. I have pretty big boobs. These are like fucking engineering projects that the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers was like, I don't know if we could scaffold that. And they're just like cranked into their spanks and dressed to play. And they're they're very, very beautiful. But it's it's very like it's sui generis. Like, you know, it's a it's tacky, but it's still sparkly and pretty. And there's something about New Jersey-ness that. Um, part of its definition is the both struggle to set yourself apart from New York and Philadelphia and um, your struggle to not have New York and Philadelphia in a conversation at all. Like what, what are the things that are just completely Jersey in its own Jersey bubble? I don't, I don't know if this is something that Tennessee is like, sort of fights with no Kentucky because I don't, Tennessee I don't has think that's really a thing. Tennessee has Nashville and Memphis so Tennessee always wins yeah that's true I am I am from the state I am from the state that and, causes other states this type of anxiety yeah that and that's wonderful and I you know moved <laughs> yeah. out of New Jersey because it's like to, I mean look here's another thing that really defines New Jerseyans is um complete and utter sleepless preoccupation with property taxes which like when you have to move to brooklyn to pay less in property taxes that's sad anyway that there's something about bon jovi that is very new jersey in that way in that um constant struggle to be proud um of where you're from while also being the most authoritative and making fun of it um, which I I think maybe is uh, a struggle that some Southerners feel <laughs> in terms of being like, well, you don't really get to make fun of it. We we will make fun of it for you. Um, and I think that Bon Jovi really did well for themselves in terms of completely owning their New Jerseyness and being super famous at a time where some of the things that were used to dismiss New Jersey, big hair, tight pants, um, th- doing a lot of hollering and just being a little extra mm. were the things that were, that everyone was doing that in rock and roll and in pop music. So they're like, well, we just happened to be from New Jersey. And then, you know, when, when the like cool kids pass us by again, we will still be in and from this place where big hair and tight pants and a lot of lame is still a thing. Yeah. I don't know if that made any sense. Like my sort of grand unifying theory of New Jersey identity as through the lens of Bon Jovi is neither grand nor really a coherent theory and fail to unify probably anything. But at least I did use a verb in there at some point. Anyway. Yeah. Also, it's a great song. there's that (laughs) and well i just that's what we're doing here talking about songs i'm reflecting on the fact that the follow-up album that they released after slippery when wet was just simply called new jersey 
<laughs> I know. But I also it's like get it get it while you can, because soon the Sopranos are gonna come along and supplant you as the thing that you're allowed to like from New Jersey. <laughs> but I just am thinking I was thinking, why do I hate train when you could really say on a piece of paper that train and Bon Jovi are the same, right? Oh, they're yeah. like earnest sure. and their lyrics are dorky, but train is gross. Bon Jovi is good. Like, I don't, I don't know that I actually can explain to you why other than to just go back to the fact that it seems like that train. Well, and because I even know, cause I watched their behind the music, they just openly acknowledge that this is uh, all calculated and Bon Jovi, of course, you don't get to be at this level. We talk about this all the time. You do not get to be at this level of fame without having some calculation in there. But they come across sure. still as being like fairly normal dorks. And yeah. uh, and they're, they're... I mean, one of them wound up, you know, married to Heather Locklear and <laughs> like the c- certain aspects of normal. But, like, there's one of those in every band, no matter how normal and dorky the rest of them are. Yes, and honestly, there's one of those in every office building. It's just that they don't have access to Heather Locklear. Yeah. <laughs> Yet. Um, but uh. I feel like I- I'm thinking a lot about how sometimes it's good to embrace a band that isn't ever going to be cool. And it's okay that this band will never be met with critical approval. They are now in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which was controversial. Definitely the people who care about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame were up in arms about it. Um, But, like, sometimes just being the dorky, relatable band next door is fine. And, uh, yeah, and you're right, because Wanted Dead or Alive is a good song. And I guess at the end of the day, that's why this is also better than Train, because these songs are just better. The chords are more pleasing. The melodies are more pleasing. The singing is more yeah. pleasing. They're just better songs. And, you know, it's no accident that Wanted Dead or Alive is considered to be the song that inspired the entire MTV Unplugged movement because uh, John Bon Jovi and Richie Sambora played an unplugged version of it on some video music awards. And, you know, like at the end of the day, these are songs that hold up when they're just really stripped down. So... You know, and I think a bunch of these dudes have some classical training, so there's that. Like that can sort of get you into some annoying and extremely pretentious trouble as a heritage artist, Billy Joel. I'm looking at you, like just fucking play piano, man. That's what everybody paid for. <laughs> but it's also like there is a like depth of knowledge there. That's like this is how a song is built. This is how long it should be, and we're gonna let the record company take it from here because we're like 19 or 21 years old and we don't have any other skills so we're we're doing this and they did and they also i don't know like i i think there's a lack of pretension there yeah like i don't think tico torres was like and now my opera and if he did bless well actually here's the thing you perfect example one of the members of Bon Jovi, uh, David Bryant, is yes. uh, he didn't write an opera. Instead, he wrote a musical called Memphis. And <laughs> what? David Bryant, not David Bryant, David Bryant. Yes, it's David Bryant. Never trust a man with two first names. Just kidding. Um, what is with their Says like, someone married Tennessee... to Dan Patrick Brady. He has three first names. <laughs> <laughs> but that that's what I mean. 
He has three. Yeah, so there you go. Extra trustworthy. But yeah, so yeah. Memphis... And that was a SAG problem. Blame them. Uh, Memphis is absolutely a Bon Jovi type of musical. It is not cool. There is no irony. There is no distance. It is... And they're obsessed with Tennessee. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's just a very upfront musical about race relations in the 1960s being seen through the lens of the rise of R&B and soul music. And there is just, it's all, it's very, sin, it's very sincere, but you know what? At the end of the day, that show isn't cool. It's, it's cloyingly sincere, but it's also good. Like it's good. It's a good show. And well, and having been to Memphis and having been to, um, Having been to the um, MLK Museum there, um, you know, at, around Easter time, which is sort of a strange, like, there's something about Memphis that um, will get you in your head mm. in in ways um, productive and non. Um, there's something about Graceland that is, like, just makes you think about America and our secular saints. There's something about this motel now under glass where Dr. King was murdered that just makes you think about American identity and about your own identity and makes you want to try to tie it to music because it's Memphis and like that Memphis will Memphis will do that to you and you may not have the um, skills to deal with it elegantly. Well, but let me assure you. But then again, you might. Let me assure you that the Memphis you're describing is in no way connected to the Memphis of the musical Memphis. Um, no, dear. <laughs> let me just like like you're you're going down a road that is very rich and very true. But don't bring this musical along with you. And that is it. It can walk if it wants to get there. Yes, Got and it. that again, it's like Bon Jovi's songs do. It's like you bring Bruce Springsteen with you if that's what you want. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So it's like I think so. Memphis the musical is exactly the type of musical that I would expect a member of Bon Jovi to write. It's loud. It's straightforward. It's very sincere. It's very corny, but it's also pretty good. And at the end of the day, are there worse things than uh, music or musicals that you can enjoy with your entire extended family, including your uncle? Like, fine. Fine. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is... um. What my brother calls carpool rock. Yes. Bon Jovi. And I think he originally intended that as dismissive. But now that he drives a carpool <laughs> and has for a while, he's like, you know what? This is this is a necess- it's like hotel TV. Is, you know, is it going in the canon? Yes, actually, for being um, a universally accepted strong b you know exactly I mean? well it's, it's like it's like that's an 86 and that'll do just fine no no critical analysis of the greatest tv shows of all time would ever include law and order but law and order is one of the greatest tv shows but, of all time yeah it's just that but it would it's it's just that but you know it but it's like it's not law and order similarly is not the sopranos it's not it's the, it, it, but it's like there's just a there's just a place in the world for things that are not aesthetically groundbreaking, but that are sturdy and pleasing. And they are as worthy of critical appraisal and uh, 
general cultural embrace as the more aesthetically adventurous entries into these conversations. And if they don't necessarily make sense alongside each other, or if one of them succeeds in a different way, that's okay. And if these end up being the types of artworks that we forget as a culture in 150 years, like I was just reading, I'm reading a book about civil war history right now. And there is a woman who wrote a book called the gates ajar it was the second best-selling book of the era after Uncle Tom's Cabin, and no one remembers it now. And by our current standards, it doesn't make any sense because it wasn't a brilliant piece of enduring art. And that's okay. Bon Jovi's music does not have to endure. It can just be good enough right now. And like being able to create... Well, and also yeah. just enduring despite quality is also good enough. Yeah. Like, Law and Order was on for fucking 20 seasons, and so was SVU, and SVU is another kettle of meat entirely, as it were. But it's like, look, what was it super great at the end? Was every single episode awesome? No. But it still inspires devotion among the people who watch it, even when it's an episode that you're like, oh, this one, I don't care for that. But then it's still on 20 minutes later. Because you're waiting for takeout. Yes. I mean, I don't know. I guess that like, we've clearly also hit the point of the conversation where I have to acknowledge that I'm closer to 40 than I am to 20. Because it's I'm about to be 40 in like two weeks. I just, as I've gotten older, I just, I just have a lot more space in my life for, for this type of work, I guess. Like, I, still val- yeah. I still value strange, adventurous, avant-garde, boundary-pushing work. I absolutely do. But I don't reflexively dismiss more populist work the way that I used to, especially when I was in the midst of getting my master's degree in dramatic criticism. And it was like, of course I, anyway. So I guess to wrap it all up and at the risk of repeating myself for the hundredth time, Bon Jovi, you're all right with me. And uh, I want you alive rather than dead. Mm, Same. Also, we both still would. Kisses. Well, it was getting too classy in here. I'm sorry. <laughs> I had to bring it back to the D. This is me yelling, who's got a dick at Bon Jovi. <laughs> okay. My, requ- my request is that you leave all of this in in the final edit so that the listeners can oh, hear. I, I will. Our- Don't worry. Y'all, in case you. Th- or I'll like start the end theme and then like pause it and be like, it's us still talking about Joe Bon Jovi's dick. <laughs> I'm a day at a time I'm a day at a time Well, I'm a seeker and a knower and a six-man But here's the thing. He fine. He fine. That man is oh fine. Oh, my God. He is really hot still. Listen. In an era when so many men were forced by a variety of terrible standards to shave their chests, Bon Jovi bravely said no. Yes. And we thank you for that, my good Harry, sir. We, my hearsuit, yes, we sir. D- dug in up to the second knuckle is what we did. Because <laughs> I'm a traveling Y'all, Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs is hosted by Mark Blankenship, a.k.a. me, and Sarah D. Bunting. And it's edited by Sarah D. Bunting as well. 
Do you want to talk to Mark and Sarah about song requests, ads, or birthday readings? Email us at talkaboutsongs at gmail.com, tweet us at TalkSongs, or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash mastus.podcast. To become a supporter and producer of this podcast, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash mastus, where you can get access to all kinds of cool bonus content and vote in our ranking episodes. Thanks for listening. As we're passing by, we just got the time to say hello and then a fast goodbye. I'm a traveling man. Yes, I'm a traveling man. Mark and Sarah talk. Mark and Sarah talk. And Sarah talk about songs. Talk about songs. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.